when you first got to the varsity swim team, who was the first person to kick your butt? Or what was that welcome to varsity moment? Well, you know, having started swimming when I was five years old, and it was always, I, I was on a super competitive team. So when I got to varsity, I don't know that I really noticed it only because I'd been in that environment for so long. Sure. Part of my stories that I don't talk a lot about a lot is I did run cross country for a couple of years in high school and I was on varsity as a freshman. And I remember one of my teammates, you know, you kind of size up your teammates and thinking like, oh, this will, this will be fine. Right. 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 Oh my God. She kicked my butt in. I was so astounded by her and was constantly quote unquote chasing her because she was so amazing. And it was one of those moments of, Oh, you know what? Don't judge a book by its cover, right? Just because you don't think someone has it on the outside doesn't mean they don't have it on the inside. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to episode number 42 of the Team Player Podcast Today's guest comes to us specially recommended for all she does to train the mind as well as the body She comes to us from the Queen City, beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio And is making Team Player Podcast history as our first guest from the great state of OH. Hey, there it is. Welcome, Lauren Ammon, to the show. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you've given us a five-star rating. We've got about 40 now on Spotify, 25 on Apple Podcasts. Not bad for just a little show like ours. You know, really starting to get the support going. It's much appreciated. So take the five seconds, leave that five-star rating. And if you want to leave a review, we've gotten some of those come in. I'll read those live on the show. So please leave uh, ratings and reviews. Hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We would be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kobaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, we always like to first get to know our guests. Like I said, you're from Cincinnati, Ohio. Just talk to us. Well, let me, let me tell a little bit about myself. I remember the movie Airborne. I don't know if you watched your 90s kid like me, but that was always on the movie channels. It's, you know, the rollerblading like racing movie. And I remember the last scene where they were like racing like down the, the hill. And that's my that's my knowledge of Cincinnati. But you, you tell me, is that movie accurate or was it do you know about that movie? And uh, what was it like growing up in Cincinnati? OK, so it's so funny. You had mentioned that previously. And I was like, I don't remember that movie at okay, all. OK, yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't around. So I was watching. I tried to find like that end scene yeah. and I was trying to figure out where the heck they were. <laughs> I could yeah. see the river. And so I'm thinking, were they on the Kentucky side? Were they on the Ohio side? I mean, right. what? that was like almost 30 years ago. So the terrain looked different. I had no idea sure, they were. Sure, sure. But um, I did watch the trailer and there was a part of me that was like, I kind of remember, I kind of don't. But um, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati is a phenomenal place to grow up. We don't have a ton of 
national disasters. You know, right. it's, we always say it's like kind of boring here, but it's kind of boring in a good way. Uh, you know, though we don't have to like deal with that kind of stuff. And, you know, we have a lot of phenomenal sports teams surrounding yeah. us. So that's what makes living in Cincinnati so much fun. The Bengals had a phenomenal year last year, all the way to the Super Bowl. You got Joe Burrow and T Higgins and Jamar Chase. It's just, it's a fun time to be a Bengals it fan. It is. It's uh, such a fun time to be a Bengals fan. And we welcome everybody on the bandwagon. We don't care. Come on, come with us. Well, I'm on, I'm a Lions fan. So you can only imagine I've got, there's so many seats on our bandwagon. I, <laughs> you know, that one's empty, but, uh, but anyhow, I have been to Cincinnati once in, you know, in my life. And of course you're, you're renowned even down here for your chili. And so I, I had some skyline, but you tell me, is that, is that the best or, or did I miss out on, on what, what the best is? So if you've been to Cincinnati, you know, it's either skyline or gold star mm -hmm. and I won't even walk into a gold star star. <laughs> I don't necessarily eat that kind of chili a lot, but if I'm going to eat it, it's going to be a skyline all day long. Very cool. Very cool. And then you, you went to high school at the Notre Dame Academy. That's just across the Ohio river in neighboring Kentucky. And like you mentioned, you played two sports uh, cross country, your freshman and sophomore year, your coach was Bob Meyer. And then you swam for all four years and you had so many coaches uh, that you couldn't even name them all, but your main one was Ed Bachman. And he was actually your club coach. So just, just describe your experience in high school and being a student athlete. Oh gosh, I loved it. I always tell my kids, like, if I could go back, I wouldn't a heartbeat, not to like discount my time with you, but if I could go back and be with you. <laughs> right. um, you know, I, Notre Dame Academy is an all girls uh, private school, uh, which was a phenomenal experience. And, you know, my sister, both my sisters went there. I knew I was always going to go there. I loved it. So the thing about swimming too, is that, you know, from a high school standpoint, yes, we swam for a high school, but the majority of my time was really spent on my club team. And I started swimming there when I was six and I ended at my senior year of high school. So those are a lot of my memories. Like when someone says swimming in high school, that's where my mind goes is to my club experiences, but that's not to take away from my high school experience. It's just how they kind of meshed together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, we've even down here in Texas. I mean, the, the, the high school swimming is really competitive just as Texas it's really competitive in sports, but I know even at that level, one of my former team player podcast guests said, yeah, it's the club. The club really is where a lot of the elite talent goes. And that, so that that's across the country. So totally understand, you know, your experience there. And then you were obviously a very talented uh, high school swimmer. You continued on at Eastern Michigan university up there in Ypsilanti. That's uh, about a half hour Southeast of Ann Arbor, about 45 minutes Southwest of Detroit at Eastern Michigan university. And, you know, you're there on a full ride scholarship. So that's just something I know a lot of our listeners, whether they're coaches or their parents, I mean, the scholarship often becomes the goal. Sometimes it can be too much to maybe you're, we're obsessing over the scholarship and it become negative, but can you describe what, what it felt like? Was it a great feeling accomplishment or what, what was the dynamic of, of being such a great high school swimmer that you were able to have your education, you know, partially paid for with a scholarship. Yeah. I don't want this or to full, a fully paid for, excuse me, fully paid for with a scholarship. Yeah. And, and I don't want this to come out sounding like elitist or anything, but you know, I grew up on a very competitive team mm -hmm. and, you know, 90 some odd percent of us went on to swim in college. And it was, it was almost like a, a given in some respects, not a given right. that I was going to get it, but a given in that that was ultimately always the path, at least that I wanted. And my parents were very, uh, one, very supportive, but from a college standpoint that, hey, you know, if you can get one, you know, be realistic in terms of where you think you can go to school and where you might be able to, you know, get some support from that standpoint. 
Uh, and that's why, you know, really looking at schools kind of in the Mac conference that are yeah. big, but not the power five. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I, I focused a lot of my attention. And, and again, it was kind of like, I didn't necessarily think there was another option. Sure. It was just yeah. so ingrained in me that it was like, yeah, this is going to happen. And, right. you know, it'll be fun. And, you know, I, again, I started swimming at five. I knew I always wanted to swim in college and it was a matter of where can I go to that? I know that I'm going to make that happen. And I found it interesting, Lauren, your, your experience is kind of the opposite of my wife. My wife is from Michigan. She ended yeah. up going to Finley university in Finley, Ohio, division two yeah. soccer scholarship, kind of similar to yourself. And then you were from Cincinnati and you went up North to Michigan and you're obviously, you know, you mentioned your, your, we'll talk more about your fandom, but anybody from Ohio surely loves the Buckeyes. And so was that, what, what was that like being in Ypsilanti just right down the road from Ann Arbor? Well, you know, first of all, being, you know, being a Buckeye, no, thank you um, with the Wolverine, but <laughs> right. say, you know, being surrounded by that level of athlete and that level of notoriety was fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and part, part of that too, was in my infinite 18 year old wisdom. It was, well, I'm not going anywhere in Kentucky and Ohio because it's too close to home. Right. Um, and again, it was looking at schools where I knew that I wasn't going to be a big fish in a little pond, but I also knew I wasn't going to be a small fish in a big pond. I kind of wanted to create kind of that middle ground of being in a somewhat bigger pond and being able to have opportunity to move up in that pond. Uh, so that's where I kind of landed at, at Eastern Michigan. And on my recruiting trip, I just really connected with some of the people already on the team. And it just had this feeling of, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Awesome. You know, coach, it, it's been so cool as this show has grown. It started off just locally here in Houston, some of my friends and acquaintances, and it's really branching out now. Our last guest was in New Zealand, Stephen oh, Cockrum, yeah. you know, and now I've, I've met you through Ohio. So like word is starting to spread. We're growing a little bit of a base here, but you much like coach Cockrum, what he was a rugby player. You were mm -hmm. an elite swimmer. You became elite athletes, but then you've transitioned not necessarily to a traditional coaching path. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned that you intentionally chose a path rather than maybe a coach in the traditional sense. You've kind of used your talents and experiences in a different route. So can you kind of explain how once you once your swimming career ended, how you what, how you process your next steps? Uh, well, um, once my career ended, it was a bit of a uh, mind cluster to, you know, to uh -huh. um, you know, put it lightly. Uh, I didn't necessarily recognize at the time how hard it was. And that being the reason that I was going through, quite honestly, a, a small bout of depression and sure. a small bout of, I don't really know what the heck I'm supposed to be if I'm not a swimmer. Right. Uh, so that part of my life was, was somewhat of a struggle, but you know, you're right. Not taking that quote unquote traditional path of becoming a swimming coach. And that was very intentional on my part, um, partially because I knew who I was at the time and still am in this respect. I knew I wasn't going to be able to separate the two experiences of being a swimmer and coaching swimmers. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was going to be so wrapped up into that experience, no matter who I coached or what I coached or where I coached, I wasn't going to be able to separate what I went through from those swimmers. And I thought, I don't know that that's very fair for them. Um, and quite honestly, for me, I didn't want to blend the two things. I wanted my swimming career to be what it was with no 
tarnish for lack of a better term outside of, you know, becoming a coach. And so that, that's why I never became a swimming coach. And then quite honestly, I can't do any other sport besides run or swim. So there was no, (laughs) no (laughs) way I could become a coach in any other sport. Uh, I love every other sport, just can't play them. Um, and so, you know, how I became really more of a performance kind of mindset coach was more of, I was in corporate America it really just wasn't my space. I didn't feel at home there. And I was in the human resources realm. And so this idea of executive coaching or organizational coaching, I was constantly surrounded by that. And I thought, well, that seems interesting. It could just be a different shift in this career. So let me try it out. And so I went, got my coaching certification, had this year long program. And I came out with so much self-discovery that I thought, yeah, this, I'm, I'm going to leave and go start my own practice. And I started my practice really more in leadership development and career coaching. And that was during the pandemic, which actually wasn't oh, a wow. terrible thing, right? Yeah, recently. Yeah. And then um, it was during the 2020 Olympics and it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. Yes. Yes. And it was the same night that Katie Ledecky won gold in the 1500 meter freestyle. The first time women ever got to swim it, Yeah. but she didn't have a great swim. She was 20 seconds off of her world world record. Right. Anybody who doesn't know anything about swimming. Yes. A gold medal is great, but you also want that gold medal to reflect your best performance. And unfortunately in that respect, it didn't. And so I watched her you know, kind of, she was trying to wipe away tears and kind of deflect attention away from her. And then later in that telecast, Michael Phelps came on and said, competing at this level is really overwhelming. We just want someone to talk to. We just want someone who listens, who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And that's where I had this aha moment of, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity of how I can really support athletes. And the thing that I struggled with most when I was an athlete of getting out of my own head, trying to turn off all the negative thought, trying to maximize performance, even when I couldn't figure out how and combining everything I've learned in my adult life of how to relieve that pressure, how to get out of your own head. And so I just literally meshed the two things together and and really found my calling of, oh, athletes. I can work with athletes to train their minds like they train their bodies. That was, it's so interesting that you, you, you brought up Simone Biles. Cause I actually was going to ask you about that very same thing. So it's so cool that your origin story of starting your own business centered around that event. I remember it clearly as well, but yeah. I guess the question I had is, you know, my, my experience is mostly in team sports, you know, mo- most of my listening base is most of us were team sports, but you know, you are a second aquatics coach that, that has come into the team player podcast studios here. And so I, I'm welcoming in the individual sport athletes perspective. And I guess my question is, is it different? You know, is it, I just, I saw what happened to Simone and just the amount of pressure and eyes just all on you, you know? And I think there's some beauty to that, that there's no, as much as I love, we love team camaraderie. There's also the beauty of it. It's all on me. And so it's, it's, it's my success or it's my failure. And I, you know, there's beauty in that, but there's also extreme pressure. So I guess that's my question for you. And you're, you're now, you're really in this space as far as examining athletes mindset. Do you feel that? Do you feel that, that, it's more pressure in individual individual sports, or do you see different things in team sports that are similar? Or I'm just curious your thoughts on that whole subject. Yeah, I, I've never been asked this question, so thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it's different. Yeah, and I say that because every individual sport, quote unquote, has a team 
atmosphere to it, right? I mean, despite the fact that I was specialized in a very in very specific events, that doesn't mean that my my performance wasn't tied to a team score. Absolutely. Um, I think again, I don't think the pressure is different. I just think it manifests differently, right? You know, you look at a football team who carries most of the pressure quarterback right right and despite the fact there are 10 other guys on the field with him or despite the fact there's 11 other guys on the team with him who just aren't on the field the same time he is right right? yes um and everybody in that team sport has a very specialized role and they're creating that internal pressure just like somebody who's in an individualized sport in that specific role i think what might be slightly different is that on a team sport, if there's, God forbid, an injury or or performance isn't hitting on all cylinders, the ball, depending on the sport, or the plays can be manipulated Correct. to kind of yes. rally around that. Whereas in an individual sport, if you're having a crappy day, there's yeah. no one really to save you. Right. And so I'm curious, you're in, in your business now. Have you found that your clientele, do you, do, you, do you mostly work with individual sport athletes or do you, do you work with team athletes as well? I'm really curious how you've, how you've approached um, building your client base. Yeah, well, it's both, right? Yeah. Because it, it, every athlete, what I found is that, you know, the sport world is, the athletic world is agnostic, meaning like it doesn't matter if you're a volleyball player, a swimmer, a golfer, a football player, the same pressures and the same challenges arise of finding confidence, turning off the internal opponent, as I call it, that voice in your head that just swirls around and tells you you're not good enough. Uh, team pressures, uh, wanting to live up to coaches' expectations, wanting to live up to parents' expectations, heck, wanting to live up to your own expectations, right? What I found is that regardless of what the sport is, most athletes are going through all of the same things. Again, it's just slightly different language based on the sport that it's within the context of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I, I think of guys like uh, Russell Wilson of the Seahawks. I know he's very big on perform. He has a performance coach, a famous one, you know, and that he's he's very big on it. That's obviously a team sport athlete. So yeah, I feel like those those the services you offer can be utilized by anyone. But also, they're not replacing the high school coach. You know, they're working in conjunction. You know, is how I take it. Because I think back to your story. You grew up in such a competitive swim club to where scholarship was the expectation so you're seeing all of your friends are all getting scholarships and so it i could only imagine how traumatic it would have been had you not been able to perform and earn that scholarship to emu so i just feel like the services you or or steven offer because you're our first two performance coaches that have come on the show these past two episodes and so it's a new world to me a little bit i'm not very familiar with it but i'm just can you describe the kind of the dichotomy of how you work with the high school coach because most of our guests are high school coaches so how do you work together to benefit the student athletes maybe are in these extremely competitive situations. Yeah. So, you know, when we were building this, I actually kind of took a, took a cue from the corporate America. And yeah. so I always explain it in terms of, you know, if you were good, if whomever out there has been in corporate America, right. You're going through a manager development program. So you as a manager are going through this program, but oftentimes the biggest challenges were, you know, learning how to be a better manager, right. Or better leader, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, one of the biggest challenges were they didn't, their employees didn't know what was going on. So they couldn't support kind of the manager in terms of like helping to build skills from their point of view. And then the manager's leader didn't necessarily always know what was going on. And so wasn't necessarily reinforcing those behaviors from, you know, the top down. Right. 
And so we started to build programs to so that all three players were involved in that development process. And so I took that same idea into the athletic world. So if you think about it in terms of a triangle, you've got the athlete at the top and then you've got the parents and, and, the, and the coach on the other two um, axes, if mm -hmm. I'm using geography correctly, if I remember. Um, so you're bringing all three of them into the relationship so that, you know, if it, working specifically with the athletes, if they're, if it's not being reinforced by the parent or the coach, then, then something it's going to fall flat, right? You know, right. that, that athlete may not necessarily feel fully supported or know how to bring their parent or coach into the fold to make it work. And so that's why we're really intentional that when we're working with athletes, those two um, other parties are involved and can help reinforce what's going on with the athlete. And we've even started extending that into creating some things for coaches. Because oftentimes when I go into a high school, I often hear from the athletic director, you know, our coaches are really seeking some input and some guidance on how to support their athletes from the mental side of the game. Sure. And that it keeps coming up and they feel like they don't necessarily have the right resources to get there with their athletes. Absolutely. I mean, and times change in athletics, like, right, we have NIL that's changing. And, you know, we have mental health is being, you know, just it's become so much in the forefront of the thoughts of athletic administration. So I feel like people like yourself and Steven are become become they're gonna you're gonna become more integral parts of an athletic program, you know, as we move forward. And so I'm just curious for any any listeners, uh, I'm definitely going to connect you with our our swim coach, uh, Coach Brogan, who has been a, a team player podcast alum, because I'm sure he would love to talk to you and pick your brain and see how you can maybe help his program. But for any other parents in any sport listening, what would it look like if, if, if they were to approach you and you could kind of describe what, you know, what you do and can, can you kind of just describe what would it look like for a parent that in whatever sport that their child was playing, like what would it look like to start working with you? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a great question because we take every relationship when we work one-on-one -on -one a little bit differently because we, we like to individualize it to the athlete. And so from, from my point of view as the coach is really sitting down with the parents and having even an in-depth conversation with them before, sometimes before I even talk to the athlete, really just to get a feel for what's the parent's perspective, uh, what's their energy around kind of what's going on. Um, sometimes the coach is pulled in, sometimes it's not, but you know, I always try to make that connection to then help support the coach uh, with the athlete going through it. But that's what I, that's what we do. We sit down. And then once we start working with the athlete, you know, we spend a pretty good amount of time really digging into really understanding where are the biggest blocks for the athlete. And then we come back, kind of synthesize all of that and say, here are maybe the three, I, I often don't pick three, more than three, sometimes four things to really work on with the athlete and, you know, review it with the athlete. Uh, again, depending on the age, you know, if they're a little older and closer kind of to 17 or 18, allowing them the opportunity to have some input on that. If they're a little bit on the younger end of the spectrum, really pulling in the parents at that time to say, here's what we're going to work on. And then as we work, really providing input to the parents, not specifically on what the athlete talks about, because that is a very confidential conversation, mm -hmm. but pulling into the parents and saying, hey, this is 
These are some of the concepts or these are some of the tools that we're working on. Here are some questions or here are some um, reminders or, or, or thought starters or conversation starters you can use with the athlete to kind of help facilitate that conversation. Um, that's what it really kind of looks like from a support standpoint. So pulling in the parents enough so that they know, but not pulling them in so much of to, to kind of break the confidentiality between sure. me and the athlete. Absolutely. I don't know. To totally understand that. And that was actually going to lead to my next question. I always ask, I, I love coaches. You know, I I'm a former coach. Coaches saved my life when I was a kid going through some things at home. Um, and so I, I guess my, my, my question is, you know, I, I started this podcast to kind of promote coaches and just, just, just shine a light and scream from the mountaintops, how awesome coaches are. And yeah. so whenever I, you know, now that I'm done coaching, I do a lot, a lot of broadcasting, like I'll color commentate games here in the area. And sometimes I'll see some really negative behavior in the stands. And so whether that's at a high school game or stuff I read about in youth leagues and officials being assaulted and just things of like that nature, I want to ask about bad parent behavior. And especially in your role, I can only imagine, you know, one of our former guests, Katie Kilgore was a, a very elite high school softball player, but when mm -hmm. it came time to go to college, she had decided she just didn't want to do it anymore. She no longer had that desire to wake up at 5 a.m. And, and, and her parents supported her. It sounds like your parents are very supportive as well, that if you decided, hey, even though all my club friends are doing this, if I, I don't want to do it, I think they would have supported you. But my question being, had, you know, without getting into specifics or anything, but, you know, ha have you witnessed kind of what you might classify as a high pressure parenting, you know, on some of these elite athletes in the club level to get scholarships? And, and if so, what does that do to the child? And, and, you know, can you just give a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of wisdom on how to handle those situations? I think they can potentially become traumatic for the child. Oh, absolutely. And yes, I did have extremely supportive parents, yeah. right? They're, they're like the poster children of, of the supportive parents. They're not athletic themselves. So there was yeah. like no relation that what we were going <laughs> through, which almost was, was a beautiful gift, right? They couldn't come in, which was kind of really nice. They could just yeah. do it from yeah. a distance, right? Do it from a human level, not a athlete level. Um, I will say those pressure kind of parents aren't going to be the kind of parents that I would work with, okay, um, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because I don't know that they would, I'm just going to say this, I'll be fully transparent. I don't know that they would see the value in someone like me. Sure. Um, yeah. But yes, I have seen, not only did I see it when I was growing up as a swimmer, right. um, but I see it, I, I see it more now. Both of my children are uh athletes. Yeah. And, um, I have seen some pretty nasty behavior. You know, we, we, as parents have gotten emails from, you know, generic emails from our boosters saying, Hey, we received a word that out some of our parents at X game, were doing something, you know, right, whatever the right, case may right. be. And I think it absolutely has a traumatic effect on the yeah. athlete, you know, an athlete, particularly one that's in club sports, that has their sights set on something bigger outside of high school, maybe going into college or even pro, there's already enough going on in their own heads, yes. right? That, like, you know, you don't have to put pressure on an athlete that already exists for 99.999% of them internally. But to have that added element of knowing that your parent could be or has been the one in game screaming, yelling, you know, saying something not only to you as a player while in the middle of a game, but potentially to refs and potentially to the coaches during all of that 
it just sends an athlete into a spiral and it would, I will be bold enough to say it would make it next to impossible for them to even ever reach their peak performance because that level of mental anxiety will keep them from reaching deep down in the depths of what they're capable of because that's where all their attention is. I could not have said that so eloquently as you did. And I love that, you know, you're, 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 you're educated in this space, but I agree with you hundred percent on what you described. I just don't see how you can perform with all that swirling around and parents think that they're helping in some kind of way, maybe by yelling those things, but it's not, <laughs> I just yeah. really think it's not, but uh, that was, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I, I heard on another podcast that I was listening to it's, <laughs> and I chuckled when I heard it, it was like, yeah, it was the parents who never made it. Or the parents who say, oh, had I just had X, Y, and Z, I could have been, you know, in the pros or whatever the case may be. And I chuckled when I heard that of like, hmm, it could be the parents who are trying to live vicariously through their athletes that are putting so much more pressure because they're still feeling it themselves. I would agree with you because on the flip side of it, I had the pleasure of coaching a couple kids whose whose parent or, you know, had a dad that was a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. And those dads almost... 100% 100% of the time were the best parents. They've they've been at those high levels. They get it, you know. They get what high they get how hard it is, but also get that high school is a developmental thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's not all about the scholarship or winning. It's about getting better and being with your friends and they they supported that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, almost every single time professional athletes were awesome, you know, to yeah. work with. So, would totally agree. With you. And also people like your parents. My parents were the same way. They weren't athletes. And so they just supported me and they just supported the coaches. And so it worked out really well, but that was really cool to hear that. So I'm going to put all of your information, of course, in the show notes, but any way you want to direct anyone listening that is interested in your services, what, what would be a, a good way for to kind of start the process to, to visit with you? Yeah. So the website is uh, performancereimagined.com and we'll put those in the show notes. Yep. Uh, you know, having some presence on Instagram, knowing that that's where a lot of young athletes yeah. hang out. Uh, so, you know, my whole style is I love to bring in the humor into these situations, right? You know, if, if we take ourselves too seriously, we'll never make it out alive, right? Um, so I bring a little bit of humor in terms of on Instagram, you're seeing a little bit more of my, uh, personality in that respect. And my personal one is at Mrs. Lauren Ammon. Okay. Uh, and then the professional or the business one is at performance underscore reimagined underscore. So we can put those in the school, uh, show notes as well. How soon before you get into TikTok? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think you and I are kind of the same generation and uh, I haven't made that plunge yet, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting there, you know, one baby step at a time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And we always kind of finish out the show just, just with some fun and getting to know you a little more. And you, you always talk about favorite teams. You listed the UC Bearcats. And so the fans of the show know that I'm an avid jersey collector. I have hundreds. And so I did bust out my old Kenyon Martin, old Cincinnati basketball jersey. You instantly recognized it, which I, I love that. You're a true fan. And uh, so you said, okay, UC Bearcats, of course, OSU Buckeyes, no doubt about it. One of the best. I, I'm a Michigan fan, but I'm, I'm a very I, – I, I have got tons of Buckeye friends. It's, it's nothing – no hate. I respect yeah. what y'all are doing. Y'all, y'all have owned the series. We got one last year. We finally did it, but no doubt about it. OSU is the best on the block. And you mentioned the Cincinnati Bengals. And then of course, Team USA Swimming, which I was right there with you staying up and watching those events was just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to get to the last portion here. I'm, I'm going to ask you for your Mount Rushmore's, your, you know, your greatest all-time USA swimmers. But we always have this portion brought to us by our good friends at MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. 
and a uh, longtime head football coach and current AD at Denton ISD, Joey Florence, is a, is a customer. And his testimonial is on the website. So check that out. Uh, Mike Vogler is the CEO. He's a good friend of mine. Basically, what he does is if you're looking to grow your funds for your program with, through corporate sponsorships, he's your guy. He'll establish those relationships. He'll create those packages. So rather than asking for donations or selling fundraisers, he's more of a, approaching corporate partners. And so that's where he can help you if you're interested. Reach out to Mike. His info is in the show notes. And if you say, um, you know, tell him Coach Kovo sent you, he'll give you a team player podcast discount. All right, here we go. This is this is the moment. Team USA swimming Mount Rushmore. Who are you? And so that's, of course, your top four. Who are your top four greatest American swimmers of all time? And I'll leave it up to you if you want to, if you'd like to do that as a mixed top four or if you'd like to do a separate men's and women's. But I would just love to hear your, your Mount Rushmore of Team USA swimming. Yeah, so uh, no doubt about it. Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps, yes. Janet Evans, uh, Caleb Dressel. Oh, yeah. Um, Summer Sanders, she yep. was uh, big back in the early, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I'm trying to, oh, uh, Matt Biondi yep. was another great one of men. Um, I know that's six, I think. There's more than Mount Rushmore, but. That's a, yeah, no, that's fine. No, oh, the more the merrier. But would you say Ledecky is, kind of the goat so to say the greatest uh, oh my god so uh, i always say everyone's like what did you swim when you yeah. said like well i swim the same events that katie ledecky did very just cool a lot slower <laughs> um, so yeah. so you know to see her and the amount of, of one what she's been able to accomplish i know it's it, it but it's more than her gold medals it's who she is as a person and how right. she presents herself I mean, just to be able to watch her as a role model, it doesn't matter if you're a swimmer, but just seeing her as a female athlete, good Lord, she has so much to offer. And she is just the consummate person for anyone to look up to. She's, you know, 20 some odd years younger than me. And I look up to her. Absolutely. Now, I, I always can't wait till the Olympics. And I know the world championships also are a very big stage, but there's something about the Olympics that just, yeah. I, I don't know. I just really gravitate to that. And especially the swimming is awesome, but yeah. okay. If you've enjoyed this episode as much as I did again, please just take that second. Give us the five-star rating that drives up the charts. So more people can hear these stories of, of people making a difference in student athletes lives, hit the follow button to subscribe here. New episodes, episodes, as soon as they come out each week, follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kobo coach underscore K O B O. You can hit us up at team player podcast at gmail.com. And we lift up our own here. I mean, this is all home grown i get recommendations of people and that's how i meet people like lauren and uh so that's how we've had just such amazing guests so please reach out if you want to recommend someone as always the cover art and music for the team player podcast is provided by two of my former players the cover art is by kaiser st Cyr, and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from avrion's self-titled debut album you can find his music on all platforms by searching for avrion that's a-v-r-i-o-n coach lauren ammons thank you so much for coming on the show today oh thanks for having me coach i appreciate it Okay, thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, I'm just fine, I'm good enough.
But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy 